Welcome to Blind Love Radio. I'm your host, Anna Rosen. Enjoy these heartfelt conversations having to do with creativity, transformation, and the divine. Welcome back, everybody, to Blind Love Radio. I'm your host, Anna, and today I have a really fun episode. I talk with Sarah Calvaries of The Eighth House, and she just opened a shop in Philly um, that's a little metaphysical, really cool tarot store, astrology, workshops, events, um, all your cool witchy needs. We talk a lot about it and it just sounds amazing. I have to go check it out. She's also hosting the Witches Ball in Mount Holly, New Jersey, which I think is really close to Philly, um, which sounds really fun on October 5th. So I'm really hoping I could make it up there and yeah so i'm really excited to release this episode we had this interview back in march um and i had pulled a tarot card and i pulled the empress about like what we should talk about and it is now taurus season venus rules the empress and venus is a big part of Taurus. So that energy is has just been so present for me. And I've been thinking so much about the Scorpio-Taurus polarity, um, which just means opposite signs balancing each other. And it's just been so crazy to think about and all these synchronicities have been happening. I pulled the Empress this morning um, and I just feel like this is the day to release this interview. Um, there's something about, so I have a Scorpio Ascendant, which means my, like when you see me, you kind of get a lot of Scorpio energy. Um, it's going to be the first house, which is like the self. And then we have the seventh house across from it. And that is Taurus for me. So my seventh house is ruled by Taurus. Um, and that's also the house of Libra relationships, um, seventh house. And so wherever you are on the chart, like if you look to your ascendant, you can kind of see like what relationships will balance you out. And Uranus has gone into Taurus. And it's kind of like what's being shaken up or asked to refresh in my relationships. And I was thinking on the first day of Taurus, I had this realization of I am so Scorpio. And I need relationships that are stable and balance me and ground me. Um, I do really well with a routine. I think that's a big part of Taurus, like this slow, steady routine. Um, And I also think that cannabis is part of that relationship. Um, I think it can kind of throw you into either axis, Scorpio or Taurus. Um, cannabis can ground you into your body if you're kind of 
too far off in the Scorpio eighth house on your own, like that idea, um, which can happen to me. I feel like I kind of get like really deep in my emotions and I need some shit to just ground me back in my body. Um, and then it can also, maybe if you're too grounded, it can kind of bring you into that more emotional, spiritual, self-reflective um, realm. So I think it kind of has the ability to balance us through the other, right? And I've been thinking a lot about that and relationships, how when I met my husband, he was so grounding. He has so much Capricorn. He's so earthy. He's like of this earth. He is practical and I love him for that. Um, there is nobody who has ever balanced me more. I am so, I think naturally pretty emotional and intense, just really that classic Scorpio, um, like into all this weird shit, but like, I love it. And I feel, I feel like my connection to Scorpio has been growing, um, and this, I, like, I feel like it connects me to divinity also. Um, and I feel like the more I've been tapping into that, the more my connection with spirit has grown, which is amazing. But I think that relationship with Taurus then is just that more important to keep me in this body, really nurturing my body. Another thing with Scorpio, I have Pluto in the first house with Scorpio. So this idea of, it feels very like I need to go to extremes to transform myself. So I love running and I have like this big dream to like run a hundred miles. <laughs> and like that's so intense. And like, why can't I just be satisfied with like, going on like a two mile run like I know that would be healthier for my body but I still am like drawn to that extreme I feel like Scorpio is definitely about do doing things to an extreme to learn about yourself and I feel like sometimes I mean that's great but it's not exactly the healthiest thing when we completely fall to one side of the wheel and we don't have the balance. So I'm really trying to be um, my like moderation and not even moderation, but balance. So really being mindful of what my body actually needs, what it's asking for. Um, I think that's so important. That's such a big part of Taurus, I think, is really paying attention to the body, your surroundings. If you just, like, just closing your eyes and noticing where you are and not getting caught up in these lofty, um, intense fantasies. And we all can use some fantasy in your life but I think sometimes you get swept away on the current 
right? When you're riding those really big Scorpio waves, it's a water sign. Um, I think that's a really good analogy, like a really rough ocean, um, which is so deep and amazing. Like the ocean is freaking magical, right? But it's like needing that shoreline to counteract that and so you don't get completely swept off and taken out of this reality, right? It's, you just need one, you can't have one without the other. Um, So that was like a long rant, but I've just been really thinking a lot about this and how beautiful both of these signs are and how much um, I feel like the magic is really the sweet spot in the middle when we um, really tune in to Scorpio and ask how it can be grounded in this earth and kind of for the highest and best in the middle. Um, so I don't know, that's just my little rant. If that was like way too out there, I understand. But I'm just gonna go ahead and get into today's episode with Sarah from the 8th House Tarot. Um, she has the coolest shop, the 8th House, that she opened with her partner in Philadelphia and I'm just gonna get right into this episode because I'm really excited about it and we do talk a lot about this the eighth house is ruled by Scorpio and um so we're getting right into it this polarity I don't know these are a few little seeds for thought it's also the Taurus new moon tomorrow um and I'm just really really feeling into the groundedness of Taurus. I love it. I am open to receive, baby. Um, So I'll see you guys on the other side. So it's in um, Mount Holly, New Jersey. We're um, just across the river from Philly. Nice. Cool. So what's it been like with the opening and everything. Oh, it's been a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have, a, I have a business partner, Sam West, and she owns Marble Moon Studio. And she and I have been working on this since mm, October of last year. So it's actually, it, it came up fairly quickly. Um, we ended up landing in our space January of this year. And so we had 60 days to source everything, stock everything, completely renovate the building, and we did it. (laughs) So we opened on Friday, this past Friday, and it was like incredible. We had a huge turnout. That's awesome. And it's so cool, the timing with Uranus, like right going into Taurus. Um, Yeah, we actually chose it because it was the day Venus moved into Aquarius. And I'm an astrologer. Uh Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's so smart using the energies for your benefit <laughs> so I pulled the empress um as like kind of like a guide of what we could get into and so do you have any like feelings on that card or the venus energy do you have a lot of that in your chart 
I do not have a lot of it in my chart. So I am a Virgo Ascendant, Aries Sun, Leo Moon. Um, I have two uh, Grand Trines in Fire, and I have a Stellium in my eighth house, hence the name of the store. So I, uh, I don't actually have a lot of that Empress energy. It is probably the card in the deck that I feel the least comfortable with. Like I feel contractive feelings when I pull it for myself. Um, it's just, uh, I think of the Empress as being very much about receiving, right? And I'm much more comfortable as an Aries sun in that emperor space of like giving and holding space for others. And mm -hmm. I think I'll, I'm not alone in this. I think a lot of people struggle with being able to receive. Um, and when I think of Venus energy, I mean, it's receiving all sorts of things, right? Love, receiving, you know relaxation and anything that's of a sensual nature that you can take in with your five senses and, or spending time in nature or just taking time for yourself. These are all things that I struggle with a lot. Um, so the Empress is a card I do a lot of personal work around for sure. Do you feel like, I feel like Venus is such a strong connection with like staying in your body too. That's, oh yeah. Like, do you feel like you get... I guess it's like the fire that would need to be balanced by all the earth. Two fire trines? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> They're like just so slightly off too. So you can see like two triangles in my chart and they're like slightly off. So it's like two triangles that are a little like overlapping but slightly askew, you know, because it's like do you, it would be the exact same if they weren't. <laughs> so. Do you feel like you get like superpowers from those trines? So yes and no. And when I read charts for people, so I've been an astrologer for 10 years. And when I read a chart that has a trine, I always explain it to somebody as like, this is just something that's like, it flows in you. You know what I mean? Like it's a thing you don't have to work very hard for. It's like a natural talent. But if you have a trine, then that means that somewhere you're going to be a little bit out of balance, right? So you're going to have blind spots. And for me, um, I have to say my blind spots come in, in the way of being grounded, in the way of being, um, I, I really lack a lot of Taurus energy, unfortunately. I do. It's, it's a thing that I probably lack the most in my chart. Um, so that's a little bit of a struggle for me personally. But the other thing, too, is, you know, you say, do I feel like I have superpowers or um, with Mercury being my chart ruler because of my Virgo ascendant, I also live very much in my head. So mm -hmm. it's hard to ground myself in my body because, you know, Mercury's like zipping ideas and super fast thoughts and rapid communication. And that's kind of the headspace that I live in with a Mercury ascendant. So um, I got like kind of two things working against me there. So the Empress is something I have to like really consciously Venus and the Empress. I have to like really carve out the time and be like, are you taking care of yourself? Are you inviting abundance into your life? Are you doing things that are good for your relationships and your self love? All those things do not come naturally to me. Those are my blind spots because I have two grand trines of fire. <laughs> so that's so funny. I feel like we're total opposites. I have a grand water trine, and I feel like I'm predominantly 
Taurus in the sense I don't actually have anything in Taurus, but I have a stelium in my second house. So it's like a Capricorn living through the lens of a Taurus world. Um, I love that. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and the second house is ruled by Venus, so, uh -huh. you know, you definitely get that that feel if you have a stellium there. Yeah, and I think, like, even thinking back now, like, I named this podcast Blind Love Radio, and it's, like, a call to the senses, which I never had even thought about when I was picking it. Um, yeah, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what made you want to be an astrologer? Um, well, that's the question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so I have been working in corporate America for a very long time. And uh, around the time that I was going about to go through my Saturn return, so it would have been like a year or two before my Saturn return happened, something just happened in my body. I don't I don't even know that I can put it into words. It was just this, this feeling that was like, something has to change. Um, and What's I, your Saturn I, in? Uh, my Saturn is in, I'm looking right now. Sorry, I don't have my chart memorized no, like that. My Saturn's in my fourth house and it is in Sagittarius. Ooh. Yeah, so um, I just, I don't know, something in my body just felt like restricted, which makes sense, right? I mean, Sagittarius is the wanderer. So uh -huh. I, I was feeling super restricted and, and not really very happy with kind of where my life was at. And I wandered, I was living in Atlanta, wandered into a bookstore in Little Five Points and just picked up a book about Saturn, not knowing anything about it. And I started reading through it. And then I just like quick went on Google and pulled a chart for myself for the first time and realized like, oh my God, my Saturn return is coming. And so like the synchronicity there was just so weird and crazy. And then I could not stop digesting the information. Like I wanted to read everyone's charts. I wanted to know everything, which astrology is so broad. There's like, it takes you, I still don't know everything, you know what I mean? I'm still learning, but yeah, I just started like self-teaching then and probably about three years after that I started actually doing readings for others and a year after that I started accepting payment for readings for others. So it's like a, a long journey to get here. Yeah, and what advice would you have for any budding astrologers? Um, not to be afraid of it. I, I think that charts can look a little intimidating and the terminology can be... Um, maybe a little daunting because it's not like it is like tarot, but it's not like tarot. Like there's parts of reading a natal chart that are definitely intuitive and come from your own personal experience. Like when I see certain placements, I can automatically associate them with other people I know who have those placements and it kind of informs that. So in that way, it's very intuitive, but on the other side of it, it can be mathematical dare I say, <laughs> yeah. you know, there are rules, there are rules to astrology. And for people who are highly intuitive and maybe not such a big fan of math or hard sciences, uh, I find that they get sometimes maybe a little intimidated and just go slow, go at your own pace. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not a thing that you, nothing worth knowing comes overnight. Totally. All good things take time. Yeah. 
So I guess that's my advice is just like go slow, start with what interests you and digest what you can. Yeah. And so I know about your eighth house, Stelium. Can you talk to us about the eighth house? Yeah, the eighth house is my favorite house. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I'm supposed to have a favorite, but it's my <laughs> Everybody favorite. has a favorite, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, so the eighth house stellium for me is like, if you look at traditional definitions, they're kind of funny. So they'll be like, oh, this is death, the occult, sex, other people's money. You know, it's like, what is this, you know, hodgepodge mishmash of ideas but really, um, I credit my understanding of the eighth house to Caroline W. Casey, who is just the ultimate astrologer to me. If you have not stumbled upon her work, she's got a fabulous podcast and she did um, some audiobooks, which I recommend doing them as audiobooks because her speaking is just like it's part of the experience. Uh, but it's like making the gods work for you in visionary activist astrology were her two books. But she talks about the eighth house in the sense that it is the invisible. It's the taboo. It's everything that has been cast out of society. Um, and, and I do feel like people who have a strong eighth house, there's like a certain morbid curiosity that, mm-hmm. that they just sort of have. And like there's, there's a few things that come with the eighth house. So one, you know you're a strong eighth house person if people just walk up to you and bare their soul and say weird things to you that are not generally <laughs> socially acceptable, like we are a magnet for the weird, totally. which that's one, one thing. Um, two, if somebody ever says to you, like, want to see something totally gross and creepy and your ears just perk up, you may be an eighth house person. Um, <laughs> I feel like I, these all need to be memes. <laughs> well, but it's, I mean, it's kind of, in a funny way, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. but it really is this idea that it's a person or a personality trait where you're very in touch with things that are, they're taboo. They're things that you're not supposed to talk about, but you have a, a really strong connection or pull to them. Uh, weird psychology. Um, like for me, I, I was just obsessed with, um, I forget the girl's name, her name's Caitlin, I think it's Dodie, but she does the Order of the Good Death, and she does this YouTube channel and podcast, and she just has such an interesting take on death and funeral culture and dying and mourning and grieving, and she studied it throughout the whole world. It is like one of my favorite things to watch, but when I say that to people, mm-hmm. they're like, that's, are you okay? but that's like the eighth house to me it just it's a feeling of like it feels magic it feels um like a like stepping through a portal into something that you're not supposed to know you know what I mean like that's the eighth house as a feeling to me I love it have you gone through any events in your life where you feel like that energy has come up through something you've had to work through yeah, uh, last year I had a lot of relatives die, a lot, um, and all over the course of the summer, my my dad's mother actually died on the blood moon. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, I mean it's thank yeah. you. It's you know mm-hmm. none of us are getting out alive. Yeah, right, right, right. Unfortunately, <laughs> so you know we all make our trance to the eighth house, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean having that many. So my mom's mom died. My dad's mom died. 
Um, and they were, everything was just so close together. And I don't know, that period, that like late spring, early summer last year just felt really, um, like I was kind of living in the eighth house. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Like if the eighth house could be a physical house, <laughs> like, yeah, what did, like I was very much living there. <laughs> what did you get out of all of it after? Um, you know, I thought that I had felt very comfortable. Like I said, death and the morbid or kind of, you know, any intense subject matter really is, is of great interest to me. So I was surprised, I think, by how much I was able to tap into like water energy. The eighth house is ruled by Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, or not Scorpio, I guess it would, it, it's Scorpio's natural home, I should say. It's not really ruled by Scorpio. Um, but I, I don't have a very watery chart, so to speak. I don't have a lot of things in water. But when that happened, it was like something clicked and I just was able to like really tap into that water energy for that period where I desperately needed it. And I, I thought that I had a good relationship and understanding to death. And I realized just how comfortable even I like uncomfortable even I was with it. And you start to think about your relatives from a standpoint of like, where are they now? Are they even the same being that I know? Like you just start asking all of these questions that you will never have the answer to. And I feel like that's eighth house energy, like in action. Grieving can be eighth house energy in action. Yeah. And I, especially, I lost my grandmother last spring. So around that time, um, And that was, I feel like, the, I wouldn't say the first, maybe the second big loss that I had, but I wasn't able to attend either of the funerals, Um, and I kind of had to, like, grieve in my own process through both of them, and it felt, it almost feels this idea of, like, the house being invisible, and we go through this ceremony, but then we, like, keep grieving in this invisible layer that, like, kind of covers all of your routine. That's kind of, like, how Scorpio feels to me. It's, like, always there, and you can feel it, but it's, like, not something that people can see. So it's, like, it's just that idea of, like, you never know when you're talking to somebody, like, what they're going through. Um... I don't know. That was kind of random, but... No, I'm, like, sitting here. You can't see me, but I'm, like, nodding my head. I'm, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There were days, and there are days where it sneaks up on you, right? Like, I would yeah. be at work having a totally normal day at work, get in my car to drive home, and then just be crying in my car on the way home. And I'm sure people are looking at me, like, who is this crazy person, and why is she crying in her car? But, like, it hits you at very weird times, Mm-hmm. And there's also an aspect of Scorpio that's, you know, Scorpio's the only sign that has multiple uh, glyphs that go with it. So it can be like the eagle, the scorpion. A lot of people describe it as the phoenix. And, and there's a, like a feeling with Scorpio of being like a real hustler or a real survivor. Like Scorpio can get knocked down a lot of times and get back up. And like I feel like the grieving process is also a little bit of that where it's like it kind of shows you what you're made of you work Mm -hmm. through it silently and at the end of it like you kind of know you're a little closer to knowing what you're made of it almost makes me think how like that idea it was funny because you mentioned the different 
animals that represented it and it almost made me think of like an energy that can shape shift so like especially when I'm grieving and I don't want to feel something I'm a Scorpio rising and I feel like it like overtakes me and I feel like it all it almost like changes shape so then it doesn't matter what I'm doing I'm bringing that energy to it So, like, even if, like, I'm grieving my grandmother, I'll, like, totally think it's about this other thing. And I'll be like, I have no idea why I'm upset. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You're right. It's it's a very, um, it's like a mutable energy, almost. Yeah. It's, Scorpio can be a lot of things, and it can be in a lot of different containers. And I feel like the part where it gets, like, fixed is when it gets, like, stuck, like, with this idea of, like, if you think of, like, a cave going underwater and it's, like, all these crevices. Um, And I feel like when you're going down there, you get caught on these things that you, like, have to deal with. Um, And a lot of times it's things you don't even think about or things you don't think are going to trigger it. Yes. And it's almost like the sonar beneath like the waves that like you hit something and then something else like ripples back from it. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know that was there. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, definitely that that period in my life, for sure, last year felt like living in the eighth house also my north node is in the eighth house and it's my eighth house is in aries um my son is also there so you know shortly after my grandmother my mother's mother who i was very close with passed um that was really when i started working very hard on the shop and the business and so it it felt very scorpio to me that it was like you know moving through this whole eighth house you know grieving process, asking all the big questions about where we go when we die and what are we made of and um, and then like channeling that into something for my north node mm-hmm. um, felt felt insanely good and it felt like just living the eighth house and it's you know in all its fullness so it was it was very much a big year last year. And all of its magic it was like this huge contraction that was leading to this big expansion. Absolutely. And you can't have one without the other, which I know people don't like to hear. I I say that a lot in tarot readings when people pull contractive cards. I say contractive in air quotes that you can't see. Um, But yeah, you can't have expansion without it. It's kind of like having a baby. Yeah. And you can't, like, it doesn't always have to be in the same area. Like, your love life goes through a contraction and then you get this, like, huge boost of self-love for yourself. Like, it's not always, I guess, linear. No, and I think that energy is energy, right? Um, Yeah. And where you free it up somewhere, you can gain some more of it somewhere else. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's it's really, like, the shape-shifting. Yeah, and, like, working through all of that shadow aspect. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The eighth house definitely is all the shadow work stuff. (laughs) I just love that idea of turning darkness into light, too. This, like, magical, um, 
And it's not saying like one energy is better than another, but just like the alchemy of it is just so beautiful. It's magic. It is magic. (laughs) So what, so tell me about your tarot practice. Have you, like, what cards have you been pulling with the opening and? Um, yeah, so we, I am a big nerd, um, like in a real serious way. Uh, (laughs) So I actually track my tarot readings in. Oh my like, god! I love people like you. <laughs> I do it in a statistical analysis software. It's so, so Virgo. It's I know it's so like I used to be so embarrassed of it and like I would I showed it to my partner Sam and then we have two other friends of ours who do Reiki in the back of the shop. And I've showed it to them, and everybody laughed at me. Oh, Anna, they all laughed at me when I told them <laughs> that I did this. And then they saw it, and they saw what I could do with the numbers, and they were like, oh, can you show me how to set one up? I was like, uh-huh, yeah, there I it is. I love that. Um, but yeah, I pull, I do daily pulls, so I pull a card a day uh, without exception. I do it every day. And then uh, I don't do big readings for myself except a few times a year. So I'll do like a big year ahead spread. Um, and this year I did one for myself. And then uh, my partner and I had like a little night, like close to New Year's Eve, where we did one for the shop and we did one for her and one for me. Um, and then like quarterly, roughly, so every three to four months, I'll do like a big spread for myself. Like that's not on a schedule, but it's just kind of my own natural rhythm. And then also I'm in Brooklyn Fool right now with Jeff Hinshaw. So every Tuesday night I'm doing tarot study for several hours. Um, so that's kind of what the practice itself looks like. But the, the cards that I've been pulling a lot for myself are rest cards. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> four of swords. <laughs> yeah, well, that one has come up. Like that one is a statistical outlier. Um, what's interesting was leading up to the shop opening, I was pulling so many wands and so many court cards. It was like I was pulling the Queen of Wands and the King of Swords every other day. Um, and then, like, that kind of went away. And now that the shop is, like, open and functioning, I'm pulling a lot of rest cards. I pull the Star a lot. I pull the Four of Swords a lot right now. Um, I've pulled Temperance a few times. So the message is consistent. Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, we, we fit it in where we can fit it in. That's so cool. So I want to hear about, like, what you're going to offer at the shop. And I saw, like, a big bulletin board full of all these different classes. and. Oh, yeah. So the shop has a lot. We are um, – everything is independently created. Uh, everything, top to bottom. There's nothing in that shop that does not come from an independent maker. We order I nothing. love that. That, like, touches my heart so much. <laughs> Um, well, that's the idea. Well, and also, like, Sam and I are independent makers, so we know the struggle very intimately. Um, so that was, that was, like, number one. Number two, we do, um, we're also a local gallery space, so we feature two artists locally every two months, and their artwork is up and for sale in the shop. And then we flip it out every two months and and switch it for new, new art. Um... That's a beautiful offering. Yeah, and honestly, like, 
that was a thing that we were like, oh, this is a cool way to be able to like decorate the shop and change up the look of the shop every, you know, eight weeks or so. And we're selling so much artwork. I was so surprised at the number of people who came in looking for independent art and actually made a purchase. That um, is so cool. Yeah, so it's good. We keep the price point pretty reasonable too. So like an average for the two artists we have in right now, Tess Givnish and Emily Meter, um, like an eight by 10 or an 11 by 14 uh, print is roughly around between 15 and 30. Yeah, that's so, really reasonable. Yeah, people can actually afford to buy it, which is good. We have two Reiki practitioners in the back, Devon Armstrong and Michelle Tabay. Uh, we do tarot readings, we do astrology readings, we do ethically sourced crystals, so we work with an organization that has ethical mining contracts, um, no child labor, everyone at the warehouse gets paid fair working wage, um, we work with, oh my god, ceramics makers, apparel, um, we have candles, we do, we have a smoke cleansing bar, it's got some signage around like what your heritage is and what you should be using for smoke cleansing based on your heritage that's so cool um so we actually do not carry just straight up white sage in the shop nice we carry a lot of different other stuff um we've got a tinctures bar we carry karina rosella rise of good witch and sarah m chapel from so you want to be a witch so cool um, Yes, we have we have them in the shop. We've got a kombucha bar that is from Inspired Brews in Philly. Oh it's my all- god, I want to live there. This is like my dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, like that was kind of a litmus test for everything that we added, right? It was like, would we buy it? Would we hang out here? Um, and like that was the blueprint for the shop. <laughs> so, oh, the other thing, we have a, a ritual bath bar, so you can build your own ritual bath. Oh, I love that. Oh my god. Um, yes, we. It's like it's a fun mix of stuff. Our customers have been fabulous, and it's just like a fun. It's a fun place to be. I don't know. I love being in there. It's got a good good feel. So, are you gonna be giving readings there? I am presently giving readings there. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, um, I'm actually thinking I may have to close my books for astrological readings probably in the next couple of weeks because I have a little bit of a backlog right now. Um, and then tarot readings, uh, if, if someone's in the shop, Samurai will take readings as people come in or people can schedule online and... I mean, I do, before the shop opened, I was doing tarot and astrology over the internet for people. So that's still a service that I offer. But um, I was surprised how many tarot readings we have sold in the last week. It's close to our number one seller. Wow, that's so cool. (laughs) Which is like, you wouldn't think, but I guess um, people are into it. But I mean, I totally get it because I was thinking the other day, like, I would love to read in a shop. But I feel like a lot of shops just have, like, a weird vibe, like, that I've never been, like, called into one, and they just, I don't know, yours just seems like it has, like, a good vibe. It seems, (laughs) like, it seems like you're actually aware of, like, 
the energies that are going on. It's not just like a neon sign that feels kind of seedy and like there's no love put into it and you're like, am I going to get taken advantage of here? But, no, that's not, that's never the goal. <laughs> yeah, so it's just so refreshing and I think when, you know, when you have an environment like that that's so welcoming and you make people feel safe and you make people feel seen, and there's diversity included, like you can get all these different types of um, cleansing herbs, and you can get different tarot decks, and I think it just makes it a place where people, of course they're coming to buy tarot readings, like why wouldn't they? (laughs) Well, and we do a lot of classes, so um, we have classes basically every weekend, something, um, so yeah, we're doing like a tarot for beginners class. We have a three-part astrology for beginners class. There's a crystals class and crystal grids class. Uh, Sean Engel, Witchy Wisdoms, is doing a money manifestation class. Sarah Potter's doing a color magic class. Um, and monthly we do coven cocktails, which are free social events, and they always have like a little theme to them, and they're just like fun, you know, so people can get to know their community a little bit better. Um, we have some fun ideas for some upcoming ones. This one that we're doing, uh, is it, I think it's the 22nd. It's called Stitch and Witch. So everyone is bringing like their needlepoint or crochet or knitting and we'll just like hang out and listen to cool music and have uh, a couple of drinks. That and- is so fun. Can you please start one in DC also? You, we have a thing on our website where if you want to start a Covenant Cocktails chapter, you can do that. Oh, that is so fun. We will send you like monthly what we're doing and all the marketing materials and stuff and you can start your own locally. You're in D.C.? I am really close to D.C., yes. So I'm right in Rockville, which is like a little suburb. Yeah, Maryland. Uh I got married in Frederick. Oh my God, me too. Ah, it's so beautiful over here. Yeah, it is. I could not do the um, very high cost of living. Some of the houses there, I was like, whoa, these are expensive. It is. (laughs) We we bought the house my husband grew up in. So that was essential. Yeah, but very cute also. It feels very home. We have like deep roots. <laughs> yeah, if you want to start, if you want to start a coven cocktails, there, there's the information's on the website. Um, it's just a free thing that we do, just so people can get to know, you know, their local community. Yeah, that's such a fun idea. Um, so, when was this idea planted for you? For the shop or for yeah. cocktails? Oh, um, <laughs> <For> the shop. <laughs> well, yeah, that the shop came gradually. I. I last year just was really struggling with my corporate job and I decided to go super public with my offerings and I started the 8th House podcast and it was really experimental for its first year. If you listen to early episodes, it's like there's no format and we launched them kind of whenever. Um, But, you know, just seeing what works. And in doing that, I connected with a lot of people and I started to realize that it was like, you know, there's not really a place here locally where all of these things exist under one roof. 
it's kind of like Instagram culture, if that, yeah. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So um, we decided to bring Instagram culture into physical space, you know? Yes, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was, it was great. So, you know, we, we had some struggles getting a building. We, we tried a few places and it just kept falling through. And How long finally did that the take? State. Oh, it was, <laughs> I, I could go on about this. It took, it took several months. So we looked in some places that we live in a very witchy area. Mount Holly actually has the witch's ball every year, which pulls like thousands of people. It's kind of like a little mini Salem. And That's cool. we look, yeah, it's, it's like the perfect place. But um, a lot of the buildings are historic, you know, being that it's, you know, Philadelphia area and, um, some of the buildings that we looked at were just not in a good shape that we felt confident in our ability to restore them, to have them be a good home for the shop. And then a couple of things it was like, we wanted to be in one part of Mount Holly and it just fell through. It was like, just not a good fit for us and, and for the neighborhood. We kept running into obstacles with all the things we wanted to do. So I would say we started looking in September of last year and it wasn't until like late December that we found the space and like signed the lease. But um, I mean, that that's still not that long, but to someone with, with, you know, a lot of fire in their chart, that felt like an eternity. Wow. I can't believe you got it up that quick. Like my friend, she opened a bakery in Bethesda and, <laughs> and like it took, I think, from like the moment she signed the lease, maybe like a year and a half. It, food food establishments, I think, are a little harder just because of a lot of the inspections and regulations and yeah, and like that. Um, for us, I guess you know, it's like you don't have to like redo the space. There's no like complete renovation. We actually did. We painted did. and restored the entire. Oh my god! Of it's your two <laughs> fire steliums. <laughs> We did. We did a lot of work. So our building was previously a yoga studio. Um, it was red when we moved into it. The outside of it is now gray with a lime green door. Love um, that. Yes, we, we painted the whole outside. We got new signage. We did, you know, a lot of painting on the inside. We were very fortunate that the building had been recently renovated inside. So really it was just like paint and then whatever we were doing with our furniture situation. You know what I mean? Like getting everything in and anchored and stuff. But the outside of the building was, um, that did take a lot of time. And doing that in New Jersey in January was super fun. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it it went up pretty quickly. But yeah, your friends, you know, doing, doing food establishment is like, there's just a lot more involved in getting, and rightfully so. I mean, people are going to be eating food totally. <laughs> from that place right. ingesting it into their bodies we want it to be safe and clean but yes. that's, that's probably why so how did you did you always know that it's so nice to share the space with a partner did you guys always know you were going to do it together or no and, and this has been um interesting for both of us because she is a leo son mm-hmm. um and she has a um, am I going to screw this up? She's either got a Virgo ascendant and a Capricorn moon, or it's reversed and it's a Capricorn ascendant and a Virgo moon. Um, so we have two of our big three are the same, 
but they are like in different positions, you know, like my Virgo ascendant and a Leo moon. She's a Leo sun with either a Virgo moon or ascendant. So it's gotta be a Virgo moon Capricorn ascendant. Um, So we have things that are similar, but then there are also things about us that are very different. And Aries is very much about the self. So this is a big learning that I've been taking away from, I have to credit Jeff Hinshaw with this, you know, working in Brooklyn full with him. Aries is centered on the self and Aries evolves into its kind of high vibe state of being by reaching 180 degrees across the chart into Libra, which is ruled by Venus and is very much about partnership. So for me, I found that things just started naturally clicking and rolling as soon as I partnered up with Sam. And I I can't explain it. It's just when we partnered up, it was like everything just bam, 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 fell together. And I'm learning a lot about the value of kind of the collective or the partnership over the value of the self or the ego Mm -hmm. in working with a partner, which is big lessons for an Aries. Yeah, and it works so perfectly for her, too, being the opposite with Aquarius and getting together with your community and doing this, you know, in service of the collective. She doesn't have Aquarius anywhere. She's a she's a Leo sun. Well, I mean, a Leo sun, but then, like, reaching to yes. the opposite, right? Gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been, for her, too, and it's interesting because, I mean, I'll be honest, partnership, she is my best friend. I like I don't even know what my life would be like if I didn't know her which is weird because I didn't know her for very many years (laughs) um, now it's like I can't imagine not knowing her like we text from six o'clock in the morning until we fall asleep all day every day Um, but it's interesting because there are still moments where there's this like people in partnerships don't talk about this but there's friction right where it's like you have to balance this, like what's good for the business and what's good for both of us versus what does my ego or her ego want? Yeah. And then the cool part though, is that you could be like choice is powerful. It it really, we don't have to hire employees because there's two of us. Yeah. So we're always there. Our operating costs are cut in half because we each pay half of everything. Uh Um, And in terms of the workload that we can manage, we can manage double the workload because there's, two people um so it it really has shown me the value in partnership and you know with with an Aries sun and an eighth house stellium there's a lot of this like lone wolf energy in my chart and I gotta be honest I tried it for 30 plus years and it wasn't working for me yeah you know (laughs) so it's it's been a lot of really valuable life learning so did, was it something that just, like, you were talking to her and, I don't well, know. Um, so we met in kind of a, an interesting way. She, I was working a festival. I was selling some of my artwork at a festival. And she came by my booth, and she had the most fabulous manicure. Oh, my God. I was like, <laughs> I love your nails. Um, and so we just started talking. And then I found out that she is an interior designer. And she does, you know, like the sickest alternative witchy interior design you have ever seen that's so cool so my husband and I had just bought our house here and I was like I need someone to do the downstairs in my house we had no furniture because we've done all this construction in here 
And she did the downstairs in my house. And in the process of working with one another, we just realized that it's like, there's actually something here. There's something kind of special here. And I was looking at opening the shop by myself was the initial plan. And I had kind of been talking to her about it. And then when things kept falling through, you know, after the last building that I really wanted fell through, she and I talked and I was like, you know, what if we partnered up? Like, what if, what if we did this? And she was into it. And she said she'd been thinking about it for a while, but she didn't want to like step on my toes with what I was doing. (laughs) I love that. She's like, Uh ah, I wanted to. Thanks for the offer. We said we were going to partner up in the following week. We registered the joint LLC and that's kind of where it was born. Wow. I love that. What a good business romance. Yeah. It's, it's like, we're very silly. Um, We do a lot of silly stuff, but she's, yeah, there's such a thing as like a soulmate that is your best friend. Like she's it. Uh, it's so nice to have a partner, like, just from, like, if you have a bad day and oh, you yeah. have somebody to talk about it who understands what's going on. Um, yeah, it's, you don't realize how much you need it because there are moments when you're starting a business, it's root chakra work, right? It's scarcity mentality. It's yes. very much like, is the world going to like what I'm putting out here? Oh my God, so much self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so nice to have another human being like, because what happens is exhaustion and burnout will set in for me where it's like, there were days where I would go to my corporate job and work all day and then go to the shop and work for another four or five hours and then come home and fill candles in my kitchen or make artwork or do, you know, financial work for the shop. Just, you know, there were days that were so long and you would just get so burnt out. And then you would, you would be talking to yourself and it would just be this spiral of negative self-talk that is totally just exhaustion but you know she would be like the stillness that she has sometimes when I need it is everything where she's like just go to sleep everything will be fine you are a lovely human everything will be fine in the morning and she's right it will be Um, having that space holder yeah it's and she's had it too you know what I mean where she'll you know, she'll be like, oh my God, I just feel like, what if people don't like this? Or what if, you know, and you just have to say like, you're really good at what you do and the right customer is going to love it and don't worry about it. Um, so yeah, it's invaluable. And I, I strongly recommend if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, partners help, man, they help. (laughs) Yeah. I have a business, my own business and that I do alone. Um, and it's really hard. Um, yeah, I think if I did another one, I definitely think I would want a partner. I say that, but like, I'm a Capricorn and I feel like I like everything's done a certain way. Um, but I'm sure that's like to my detriment, right? Like, I could just... I don't think it's to your detriment. I think it's that you have to find the partner that works well with you and with how you want things done. Yeah. Because we're we're Uh similar. Like, Sam and I, we... We do a lot of things differently, and we do a lot of things, the things that matter, the same. So right. you just need to find, like, your other puzzle piece. That's I feel like when you start the journey, though, it seems like if you're open to it, that synchronicity just comes your way. And, like, I feel like the universe just brought you your business partner. 
Basically, yeah. I mean, it's very much like a what's yours in the world can't miss you kind of thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what's your, what's your experience been like doing the solo business thing? So I have a hair business. So I'm a hairstylist and I do a lot of bridal hair. Um, and I really like it. I've been doing hair for almost, I think about nine years now. And I worked at like a little salon in Frederick for a while. And then um, I worked at a dry bar. And kind of from that, I found that I really liked working for myself. And people just started asking me to do their hair for their wedding. And it just kind of snowballed after that. And it really took off maybe two years ago. Um, two or three years ago it like really built up and I just burned out Um, I was just doing too much I was driving everywhere like I was taking all these weddings that were like far out in Virginia and then you know doing like eight people's hair and then driving home and doing a what like doing like three weddings in one weekend just like I think I did like 50 weddings in a year and (laughs) yeah (laughs) like just like ridiculous and just not having like the self-awareness because I love it like I love doing it I I'm a very grounded energy so my energy really suits that situation really well um like keeping people you know, in healthy perspective of what's really important and just really calming them down and giving them, you know, I'm really good at my craft too. So giving them hair that they want, but not taking care of yourself is just not an option. And that's just like, you know, that was a huge lesson for me in, in order to take care of everybody else, you have to take care of yourself first. So last year was really like repairing all of the burnout and I feel like it really took like a whole, like everything I did, it took the same amount of time to undo it. Uh, (laughs) That's real. No, that's real. (laughs) So then now I'm like, okay, so I should just spread it out so I don't have to do that anymore. But that's like, I don't know, I like to do things like full steam ahead for sure and I like to have like a million different things going on like I have so many different interests um so I'm kind of just trying to figure out how they can all fit together and balance out um so that's kind of been what I've been going through I'm going through my Saturn return or I just got done with it so congrats thanks I made it through (laughs) that was that was my big burnout was I think a large contribution and lesson Um, where's Saturn at in your chart what house in Capricorn with my stelium oh so Uh in your second house in my second house yes that makes sense yeah because it's it's interesting um Saturn returns are always kind of fun in that when you look at kind of what house and sign that they fall in they really point to the the kind of lessons you're learning and how I mean your Saturn return is truly when you become an adult in in astrological language and for me it mine being in my fourth house had a lot of um unpacking around family stuff Mm -hmm. um 
and and home stuff and kind of what I wanted home to be and and whatnot and being in your second house yeah it's gonna have a lot to do with your value streams yep Mm -hmm. what I value my valuing myself as much as I value my business and my money like making money um as great as that is you can't enjoy money without a body (laughs) this is true and also you can't take it with you when you die totally and like what's more important and you know and realizing like especially with Capricorn like paying attention to what mountains I'm climbing and like why am I trying to achieve this um that was also a very big lesson so for sure yeah oh I want to hear about your art before I let you go um, well, so my, my most recent project has been that I'm working on two tarot decks. Um, so I have a collage, like, mixed media deck that's my own. And then Sam and I, excuse me, are collaborating with her husband on a deck that's the Swamp Witch deck. Swamp Witch is our, our joint LLC, and there's a super funny story behind that. But um, <laughs> we, we've been working on those decks. Um, but yeah, primarily my artwork recently has been a lot of like prints for the shop. So I'll do a lot of like digital drawing on my iPad and I've just been turning it in like everything into shirts and posters and prints and uh, things like that. And then also the tarot decks so have been sort of working on that. And my deck is like an astrological uh, and numerological themed deck. So um, the cards are actually called by their astrological equivalent. So like the high priestess is the moon. Ooh, that's um, cool. Yeah, so it's things things like that. But yeah, it's been a lot of like, I used to do watercolor a lot. That's what I was actually selling at the festival that I met Sam at. And I did a lot of acrylic painting. But now I've moved over, this is Sam's influence, because she does a lot of digital drawing, and she kind of got me into doing digital drawing, and I love having an undo button, (laughs) so Mm, um, it's been, yeah, that's been pretty cool. It's so cost-effective also. Well, and like, I go to New York for work a couple times a week, so I end up being on the train for... Uh, anywhere New Jersey Transit is not known for its reliability. Uh, so anywhere from an hour to two hours each way, and that's like perfectly good drawing time. You know totally. what I mean? I just bring my tablet and like draw on the train, and um, I have a printer. My neighbor is a printer, and so I just like send email my drawings and tell them what I want printed up and what I want it printed on, and then in a week it's ready to go to the shop. That's awesome. And what's like your process? Do you have, do you feel like you are like having a spiritual experience when you're creating or what's it like for you? It's interesting because I have very busy hands just as a general rule. When my hands are busy drawing, my brain is quiet, mm-hmm. which is nice. And that's like, it's a nice change for me because I, I get this like laser focus when I'm working on a piece of artwork and you know, if I'm, if I'm needing to be focused in life, I can do it. I don't have a problem doing it, but I do have Mercury's my chart ruler. I've got a very active brain. So drawing is nice for me because it's almost like I struggle with traditional meditation. Mm -hmm. So in a way it's almost like meditation, I guess. 
Totally. I feel like whenever I'm drawing, I get into this awesome flow and then all of my dreams start coming back to me. It's yeah, like, that's cool. I know. It's like one <laughs> of my favorite things. I'm like, ooh, yeah, I forgot about that. Like, oh, yeah. that was weird. So my, yeah, mine's, mine's just like when I start to draw, everything just quiets. Yeah, that's so, nice. Especially love- when you can't get away from like the monkey mind. Yeah, and I've got a very active monkey in the mind. <laughs> so. so do you do yoga at all also? Or do you just kind of use creating as like a meditation? Um, I am big into restorative yoga. Ooh, me too. I love it. I love it. I discovered it last year. Um, so a little background. I used to do... Um, like silks and pole and hand balancing and contortion and stuff in my twenties. And my body is a little bit wrecked from that. Mm-hmm. Um, they know more now about how to take care of your body when you're learning those things. But the sport was relatively new when mm-hmm. I was doing it. And, um, I've had broken ribs. I've had rotator cuff injuries. Um, my knees make all kinds of terrible noises, but it's, it's, restorative yoga was something that like really relaxed my body like my body just feels so good after I do it um so there's something about passive yoga I guess that I really enjoy I have a harder time with like I guess what you would consider more active yoga so like is it vinyasa yeah uh I struggle a little more with that but I have found that like the general aches and pains and quirky weird things about my body from like putting it through the ringer in my twenties, restorative yoga is like, it works like nothing else for that. And also it quiets the mind. Yes. I love that. It's like more of the yin aspect of yoga. Maybe that's how I'm embracing the empress is like little things like that, that I, that I enjoy. I haven't been, I'll, I'll be honest, a very bad, um, last couple of months I have not gone because of like working in the shop but I do need to go back because it was fabulous for my body and honestly my creative process because like I would come out of restorative yoga and be like oh my god I have an idea for this thing or that thing that I've been wanting to make so and you know what's so nice too is just buying like a bolster in two blocks and like turning on like learning your like three favorite favorite restorative poses and doing it when you get home too. I some nights if I can't sleep, I love to do like the legs up the wall thing. Ooh, yes. Because like that was a restorative pose. Like when I have a nighttime class, they always do it. And nothing makes me sleepier, which it's like, yeah, the blood flow, you know, works against gravity and it slows your heart rate and like puts you in that sleepy state, which is great. Um, so that's one that I use at home a lot. And then I also, um, I bought one of, like, the hip weights, like, the little sandbags, uh-huh. and sometimes, like, just to lay in my bed and toss that across my hips mm-hmm. to ground my hips down feels so good. Oh, that's such a good tip. I should buy a sandbag. Well, for me, it's, like, I think I could just use literal and metaphorical grounding if <laughs> <Yeah>. possible. <laughs> so, yeah, I bought one, and occasionally before bed I'll just like toss it across my waist my hips and like you know it's gotta slow that fire down 
<laughs> it, feels, it feels great and like it makes your hips feel so like open and nice when you take it off like I fell in love with restorative yoga right away it's so funny that you say you have like a hard relationship with the empress because you built like a whole sanctuary dedicated to like beautiful <laughs> beautiful things <laughs> well I love beautiful things that's not the struggle the struggle for me is the <laughs> the self-care part because I will mm. run myself into yes. the ground. Like, it's a real bad habit. It's not cute. And uh, I'm working on it. Yeah, I think we're all working on it as, like, creative <laughs> business people. It's really hard. Well, the hustle is hard. I mean, our society is kind of built on this idea that, you know – if we hustle hard enough and if you stay on the hamster wheel, you know, and, and grind at the corporate job, that's the only way to gain security in the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, and there's lots of... Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, no. What were you going to say? Like, you're only valued by what you make, too. Yes. Yes. Which is yes. bullshit. And, oh, like... Bullshit. And also, like, you get caught in this, like, I can't make art for myself... Like, it always has to be for, like, something I need to make for other people or, um, I don't know. And I think it's, like, it, it has to be for you, too. For sure. And, and it's another, that's one of the reasons that I am uh, going to close my books for a short period for astrology work is because I like to get really intimate with the chart and go in and do a really good job with it. And I love reading charts. Like it's for me, it is an art form and I love it. And I don't want to get to a place where I'm just cranking them out because, because I am making money. You know what I mean? So it's like, I really do want to like actively work to slow the work that's coming in down so that I can continue to do it the way that I like to do it. Thank God you're a Virgo and you can like plan your time so well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, it comes in handy. It's Um, hard when you have so many interests. At times I just find myself like, I almost want to like throw myself on the floor and be like, I just want to do everything. Like why isn't there more time in the day? FOMO. You got all the FOMO. <laughs> I do. It's true. Oh my I want to make all the crafts. <laughs> same. But like, honestly, same. You should see Sam and I, when we're messaging, it's just like, and I have an idea for this. And I have an idea for this. And it's gotten to the point where we just have to like table certain things because it's like every single day we're like, bang, 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 cranking out all these ideas. And there is not enough time. There's not enough hours in the day for two people to do all of this. So we have to prioritize for sure. I feel like that must be easier with like a fire, a lot of fire. Like I don't have that much fire. And I feel like I get so emotionally attached to all of my ideas and um, pieces. So to think about like having to like cut all of it, I'm sure it would be like way healthier and make me more focused but I'm like no like I'm so attached to that idea (laughs) (laughs) well you know on the flip side of that because everything has a flip side um fire signs can be we bore easily Mm. so it can be a thing where it's like sometimes we'll start working on an idea and be like this just isn't really what we thought it was gonna be bye Mm. I (laughs) struggle with a tarot deck with that like 
I get so many new ideas that like I'll get through like seven cards and then I'm like, nope, it's just not coming through anymore. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because like the editing process when you have two people who are heavily fiery, um, it's like the ideas come rapid fire and then we both tap into like the Virgo energy in our charts and we edit, 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 like we really edit <laughs> and then you know, from there we can put something out, but it's for every idea that ends up making it out into the world. There were 30 that no one ever saw. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think uh, that's with everyone, right? Yeah. It's, it's just part of the creative process for sure. And I think like being okay with like the things that don't turn out well, it's like you feel good that you tried it. And that's For sure. the most important And a lot of thing. it's learning. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. I don't want to take up any of your more, more of your time. I'm getting, like, jumbled. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I really, like, I appreciate it. This is lovely. Uh, I'm so... I'm going to spread all of the good board... All the good word about your shop. And I want to come up and see it sometime. Because I don't live that far away. Come up and see it. And yeah. my, parents, my parents live in the D.C. suburbs, so when I'm visiting, I'll have to, like, hit you up. Oh, yes, definitely. I'll take you out to lunch. Oh, that would be lovely. Yay. Well, good luck with everything, and you're so lovely to come on. And can you tell everyone where they can find you? For sure. So um, I am on Instagram and Facebook because I do not understand Twitter. I just don't. Um, I'm at at shop the eighth house and eight is the number eight so all Perfect. one big word and then this the website for the store is shop the eighth house.com just like my uh social media handles so come and check out everything that we're doing yay thank you so much sarah thank you anna bye have a great night you too Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode with the amazing Sarah Calvaries. You can find her at Shop the Eighth House on Instagram. Also, check out the deck she just made of the Eighth House Tarot. All of the imagery is beautiful. Um, Check out her shop in Philly, the Eighth House. Um, check out the witches ball that she's she's co-organizing. It's going to be October 5th in Mount Holly, New Jersey. Um, that sounds like it's going to be really fun. And check out her podcast too, The Eighth House. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. You can connect with me at Blind Love Tarot and check out my tarot deck that I made or oracle deck. It is Blind Love Radio, a deck of frequencies, and you can find that on my Instagram. All right, guys, I hope you have an amazing Taurus new moon. I hope you found a little nugget of wisdom um, with us chatting, and I hope you enjoy what's whatever is sprouting in your life all right have a great day bye